This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. The playlists for all the seasons of the show can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. Is it a corporeal being? I really don't think so. I don't think that they're going to send an actual member of their undead beings, of their little undead army. Undead army! Well, hello and welcome once again back to Me, Myself, and Die. I am, as always, your intrepid game master, host, and player, Trevor DeVal. And remember, as always, if you like the show, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. It's very important to get the word out about the show. YouTube is changing their policies over the next couple weeks, and it could really have an adverse effect on small content creators like myself. So we want to make sure that the show is still allowed to survive these purges as they happen. And the only way to do that is to get the word out. So please, please, please hit like and subscribe and share the video. When last we left Simon of Argostan and friends, he had tracked down Arn from the now-saved town of Hundatora and discovered that Arn had been in possession of a scroll, a special scroll that could dispel things with undead powers, such as the barrier around the Temple of Thurzan, or the ghost of Sherilyn Spiritbane, who is currently haunting Edbert, and who Edbert desperately wants to rid himself of. It was a bit of a Mexican standoff, if you will, towards the end of the last episode, where Arn and Edbert and Simon were all sort of poised around this scroll, and Edbert wanted Arn to use it on the ghost, and Arn wanted to do that too, because he was trying to get rid of the ghost to neutralize Simon's allies, but of course, Simon knew that he needed that scroll in order to get into the temple. So the ghost intervened and basically flooded Edbert's mind with all kinds of horrible things, and Simon and Edbert and Sherilyn, the ghost, had uh, managed to convince Arn to intimidate him by shooting him in the throat <laughs> and then and then healing the wound, but convinced him to come with them to the Temple of Thurzan to use the scroll and bring down the barrier, allowing Simon to get back in and find, hopefully, what happened to his father. But before we get to the episode proper, there's a couple things I want to just talk about. Uh, there was a friend of mine who didn't quite understand how the Benny thing works, so I know those of you who understand Savage Worlds, this will be a no-brainer, but for those of you who don't, just so you know, at the beginning of every session, I give myself three Bennies. Three Bennies for Simon, three Bennies for the NPCs, basically. As they use them, that's pretty much it. But the Bennies get replenished at the beginning of every session, or at the beginning of every episode. So that's the reason why at the beginning of every episode, Simon always has three Bennies again. So, Andy, that one's for you. Uh, the other thing here is that we did manage to level up. Yay! Yes, we leveled up our characters, which includes Simon, Edbert, and the ghost as well. She does get a, a, an advance as well. So, uh, very briefly, just so you know, just so you're not going, wait a minute, Simon doesn't roll those dice. So, for his advance, he, he upped his survival and his tracking. So, both those skills are now a D8 instead of D6. Edbert also had his advance. He took the brawny edge, which gives him plus one to his toughness and also increases his carrying capacity. So, he's going to be much harder to wound now because he's he's a little tougher. And for the ghost, Sherilyn's 
Spirit Bane, she uh, took what I thought was was an extremely applicable advance. She took the Puppet Power, which is a power in Savage Worlds that allows you, it's like a spell, but it allows you to take over someone else's body and inhabit them. And I thought that was a perfect thing for a ghost to have. So I'm not calling it Puppet, I'm calling it Possession, because again, that makes sense that a ghost would have the Possession Power. So that is how we leveled up everybody. One more thing too before we begin that I want to go over just to kind of keep you guys in the loop and, and sort of share where I'm at in terms of my chicken scratch organization here. As you can see, I, I make rather uh, copious and rather illegible notes uh, during the course of the game just so I can keep up with what's going on. So just to let you know, we do have a list of characters on our character list here. And these things, of course, do come up every now and then. They've come up in the past. I just want to read off who we have just to kind of refresh you of the cast of characters that do exist so far. So one, and these are in no particular order, there's Dench, the orc chieftain. There's Mord, Simon's orc friend. There's Arn, the bounty hunter, who is a, um, a wild card himself. There's Manfred of Dovedane, Simon's enemy from back in the city of Chiton. There's the Order of the Purifying Flame, who may be making an appearance today. We shall see. Uh, there is Sherilyn Spirit Bane, the ghost that is currently haunting Edbert. And there is the, or there rather are the priests of Morgus the Sea God. There were the cultists of Devona as well, but they've been neutralized for the moment. So, you know, they still exist out in the world, but for the moment, they're basically scratched off the list because they're all dead. We also have a number of threads that we're following. So just to recap, these. But again, these are in no particular order. The most pressing threat, I think, is get past the temple barrier and search for Simon's father. And this is what they're going to be trying to do today, hopefully, uh, to use that scroll to see if they can bring down that barrier to get back in the temple of Thorazan. There's also the threat of the minor miracle from Simon's background. That's never come up. Another threat is Arn is hunting Simon for Manfred. Remember, he's still got a job to do. He's still trying to bring Simon back to Chiton to deliver him to Manfred for, the, for crimes that Manfred believes Simon is responsible for, even though Arn himself is not so sure that, that Simon is guilty anymore because of what's happened over the past few episodes. Exorcise Edbert's ghost. That's something that Edbert wants to do. But at the same time, Cheryl and Spiritbane, the ghost, wants Edbert to atone for the crime of, you know, killing her. And so she's trying to keep him alive. So those are our active threads. Never know which ones are going to come up or become important or applicable during uh, the session. Uh, our chaos factor is at six, so it's gone up a bit. So we are going to begin the scene, which is scene two of act two, if you want to call it. Our characters are rested. They've rested in the in the woodsman's cabin that night. Simon had healed the wound to Arn's throat, so he's fine. Everybody's fine. We're all just fine here. And they are making their way back to the temple of Thuazen with Arn, you know, his, his hands tied uh, because neither of uh, neither Simon nor Edward actually trust him. But they're bringing him sort of as their prisoner to the Temple of Thuazan so that he or someone can use that scroll to try and bring down the barrier. The first question I have is, do they make it to the temple? Does anything befall them or interrupt them or alter them? So our chaos factor is uh, at six, so I'm going to roll the d10. And if we get six or less, then something changes four. Okay, so we do have interrupt scene, something interrupts them. Of course it does. They can't ever just get to where they're going without any incident. What fun would that be? So they are on their way to the Temple of Thorazan. What interrupts them? It's, I, we already know it's gonna take them a full day to get there. This is a random event. So the first thing we're gonna do is roll our event focus. 55, close a thread. Hmm. I'm glad I actually listened to threads. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Close a thread means that this random event is so important, it actually closes an open thread. There's multiple threads, so we're gonna randomly determine which thread gets closed. Hmm, so whatever happens here, a thread is going to be resolved because of it and closed, ended. Ooh, well, this, this sounds uh, 
epic. <laughs> Let's determine which thread gets closed. Three. Arn is hunting Simon for Manfred. That is the thread that gets closed. How does it get closed? Event meeting. 70. Extravagance. Subject. 56. Wishes. The thread gets closed. Arn is hunting Simon for Manfred. Now that he's seen enough evidence of Simon's character, he's going to, for some reason, extravagance of wishes, he's going to he's going to basically give up his, his contract on Simon. He's going to decide he's not going to continue hunting Simon for Manfred. What Manfred wants is so, the extravagance of wishes. He wants Simon to come in for these crimes that Arn does not believe that Simon is responsible for. So I think, I think that as they're moving towards the temple, as they're, as they're traveling through the forest, Arn tied up. Let's determine what the weather's doing. Just the higher, the better on a D24. It's pouring rain. <laughs> it's pouring rain, trudging through the wet, muddy, sopping wet ground of the, of the forest tripping a bit on the underbrush, that kind of stuff, as they're, as they're going through the woods and they're going up the slopes of the mountains to get back to the Temple of Thurzan. They, they take a rest, you know, this is around noon, so they basically, they've been on the road all morning. And uh, Simon, you know, he, he pulls out his rations, he begins to eat, and, and I think without even thinking about it, he just pulls off a fairly significant portion of rations and hands it to Arn. And Arn looks at him and says, I will have difficulty eating that, like this. Nice, Troy. We're not going to be untying you, not for any reason. I think Simon actually intervenes here and he says, No, Edbert, I do not believe that there is any reason to keep Arn bound any further. He has given us his word that he will help. And I, for one, am willing to accept that. I must admit, Simon, this is unusual behavior. I thought for sure that I would be bound all the way up until you were ready to discard me for whatever nefarious purpose you have. My mother has already fallen to evil powers. I want to ensure that if the same has happened to my father, that I am able to put him at rest. So you see, Arn, my purposes are not nefarious. I am not the monster that Manfred of Dovedane has made me out to be. And I hope that after everything we have been through, that you can now see that. Now I know you have to do whatever you have to do to try and bring me in, and I will resist you, of course. But I want you to know, man to man, right now, I am not guilty. As Simon cuts his, cuts his bonds, or instead of rubs his wrists. Do you know, Simon, if you had said this to me even one day ago, I would not have believed you. But, over the past few weeks, I have seen much evidence that you, in fact, are not the criminal that Manfred wants me to believe you are. The creature, the orc lord, spoke highly of you. He said you saved his life when you did not have to. I did what I can for someone who shared my purpose. There was nothing particularly noble about it. And then, you saved my life in the town when it was under attack. That was more my doing, actually. Yes, I know. But it was Simon here who came when he could have left me to die. And then, to top it all off, when Hundatora was facing its darkest moment, 
When the great tidal wave of Devona was about to engulf the town, instead of fleeing, which I chose to do to save my own skin, you did not. You turned, and you fled towards the danger. You saved the town and did not even stick around for the accolades. Again, Arn, you do me too much honor in this. I left the town looking for you, Arn, because you were of use to me. Do not bestow too much nobility on me. I am, like you, merely pursuing my own agenda. Yes, but your agenda has consistently, from the beginning, been focused on helping others instead of helping yourself. And although those others did wind up helping you, it was your generosity of spirit and your compassion and your sense of duty that shows to me that Manfred of Dovedane must be entirely mistaken. I have come to a decision. I will renounce the contract that Manfred has taken out on you. I will not continue to try and bring you back to him. I renounce the contract and I renounce Manfred's accusations of you. Does he go one further? Does he actually decide to go with Simon voluntarily? Well, let's see. Maybe. I'm going to say it's um I'm going to say it's likely. Cuz you know, he's made a good case here. 28. That is a yes. And what's more, if your purpose is to put your father's spirit to rest, then I will help you and do what I can in that endeavor. Well, this is uh, an unexpected turn. Indeed it is, Simon. Quite unexpected. One might say that randomly determined. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that, Ed, but, but nonetheless, Arn, I accept your pledge and I accept your help. Together, then, we go forward. Together. Mm, together. Well, that thread has been closed. Oh, that's kind of huge, actually. Arn is no longer hunting Simon. Wow, interesting. Okay, that's what happens when you roll close a thread. <laughs> Boop, it just resolved like that. And the chaos factor is gonna go back down to five because, you know, our guys were, were pretty much in control that whole time. Well, we go on to the new scene now and the setup is the same as before. Uh, they finished their lunch, they're in the woods and they're they're proceeding towards the Temple of Thurzan. At the top of the scene, once again, we determine whether it gets interrupted or altered. Chaos factor is now five though at the top of scene three. One, so one means it does get altered. I'm thinking, is it environmental? Does something does something environmental happen where, where you know, it's raining, it is pouring rain, we know that. So is there a landslide or a flash flood? Oh, this from my friend Ian. Flash flood, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be a flash flood. So, they are making their way through the mud soaked, rain sodden, rocky undergrowth of this forest that's clinging to the side of this slate gray mountain rain pouring down and all of a sudden there's this rumbling sound as a bunch of rocks begin to come down towards them. Who's in front? It's probably going to be Simon in front. He he kind of looks up and he sees a cascade of rocks coming down towards him when out of nowhere in a roaring deluge, a massive gout of water appears at the top of the ridge and begins to 
tumble and cascade its way down towards them. Simon looks up and he points and he turns back to his comrades behind him and he shouts, get out of the way, flash flood. The water roars down the slope towards them. Simon tries to dive out of the way. Everybody tries to dive out of the way. They're covered in mud. They're kind of halfway up this slope. It, it's, it's quite steep and they have got to try and get out of the way of this flash flood. Immediately, Simon looks at the, the, the closest thing beside him, which is gonna be like a tree, right? Is there enough cover around them? Or is there enough foliage around them? Like a, like a big thick tree trunk or something they can wrap around it and, and you know, try and keep themselves braced against the oncoming deluge. I'm gonna roll once for each of these guys. They are in a forest. Right, it's a thick forest. They're up a well, they're on the side of a rocky slope, though. So you don't tend to get a lot of really thick trees growing up the side of a rocky slope. So I'm gonna say it's probably unlikely that there is something decent for them to grab onto. This only gives a 35% chance of a yes answer. Unlikely. The Simon, no, there's nothing for Simon to grab onto. Just put these guys in some sort of marching order. Let's say uh, Edbert is next with the ghost. Ghost isn't gonna have to worry about a flash flood. The ghost will be fine. And finally, Arn behind you. So Simon is desperately looking around for something to grab onto, but the only trees thick enough to like to secure an anchor point to are, you know, off the slope a little bit. He's gonna have to make a very difficult roll to try and get to it. What about uh, Edbert behind him? Is there anything near Edbert with a 35? Oh, bang, right on the money. There is something for Edbert to be able to grab. So he, ah, he grabs onto a massive thick tree that happens to be sort of growing sort of crookedly out of the side of the rock face. And he wraps his arms around it, uh, holding on for dear life. Meanwhile, Arn, what happens with Arn back here? 58, there's nothing for Arn either. So the only sort of significant tree is boom is right beside is right beside Edbert there. Edbert grabs onto it. Uh, meanwhile, over here, the only, you know, trees available, available for Simon is sort of a little further off here. And same thing for Arn, sort of like uh, uh, further off here. As this is, you know, you sort of imagine this is kind of like a, a slope that goes up, right? Edbert is actually gonna be okay. He's gonna grab onto that tree and as the water begins to cascade and flood its way down. Oh, bad flash floods, man, they're terrible. Simon is gonna have to make, he's gotta get to this tree over here. Oh boy, how's he gonna do that? Well, he's gonna have to make a roll, obviously. This is a climbing roll. Now, I believe in the new edition, they've sort of merged climbing and swimming into one athletic skill, which is a really good idea. I'm doing pretty much bog standard uh, Savage Worlds deluxe edition, so, uh, you know, that means that, uh, yes, you get to re-roll criticals with a Benny. <laughs> I mean, believe me, Simon's life was hard enough without implementing that rule. Climbing is still a skill in this version of the game and he's gonna roll it. Now, luckily Simon does have it. He's only a D4 because who puts points into climbing? Who indeed? <laughs> As he tries to scramble his way up this rocky slope to get to this tree before the flash flood hits him. And five, he will succeed. So he managed to uh, launches himself over here and latches on to the tree as the water's coming down here. Uh, and Arn, now Arn, again, as we've said, is pretty much Simon's equal. So we're gonna also give him a D4 climbing. I haven't statted him up with a proper sheet yet because it hasn't really been necessary. But now that he's pledged his cause to Simon's, I'm gonna have to do that, but that'll have to wait until probably next episode. So gonna remember though, he has a climbing of D4. Does he do it? Oh no, he does not do it. Oh no. Uh, so I think he's gonna have to spend uh, a Benny. He's gonna have to spend one of our NPC Bennies to try and re-roll this because this is kind of important. Here we go, four. Okay, so he manages to climb his way very quickly, leaping from rock to rock over to that 
tree as well and grab onto it as the water comes cascading down, buffeting them, enveloping them, threatening to tear them off the tree. And if, if they hadn't got to those trees, they would have been swept away down the side of the mountain. But they did make it, cost Arna Benning to do it, but they did make it and the flash flood eventually recedes, leaving them exhausted, sopping wet, and, and, you know, cold, the whole bit. Just very, very pleasant out here on the, the little stroll up to the uh, uh, Necromancer's Temple. Okay, well, that's that scene. <laughs> but they survived. Survival is good. We like survival. Survival's good. We like survival. No character list changed, no threat uh, thread changes, but the chaos factor does go back up to six because this was, whoa, out of their control. So we move on to scene four now. Same setup. They're trying to get to the damn temple. <laughs> and chaos factor six. We're rolling our D10 here. Six or less, something happens. Eight, finally. So nothing interrupts them. Whew. <laughs> It is nightfall when they arrive to the temple of Thorzan. They are still kind of wet because uh, it's still pouring rain and, you know, having survived this flash flood in the mountains, they're, they're really exhausted. They're super tired. In fact, I'm automatically going to give them a level of fatigue. And a, and a level of fatigue means that they're minus one to everything they do. When they finally get to the temple of Thorzan, there it is. It's still the way it was, it was left, I think. Well, maybe, maybe it's not. We'll find out. This massive sort of rectangular building built into the side of the mountain, I think, was the description of it. I don't remember. Nonetheless, Here's my first question. We determined a few episodes ago that the Order of the Purifying Flame was nowhere near the temple, but that was a few days ago. We know that they're on their way. I guess my question is right now, are they here? Because they were so far away, I believe it was an extreme no we rolled when I asked that back way, way back in, those, in that older episode. Actually, I'm going to say it's very unlikely. It's very unlikely that the Order of the Purifying Flame is here, which gives us a 45% chance of a yes. And the answer is 89. They are not here. So when Simon and his friends show up <sighs> exhausted, completely drenched, fatigued, they see, they can still see this sort of like dark shimmer that's shimmering over the the main double door exit or entry of the of the temple. At this point, Simon sort of, you know, he, he sort of collapses on the ground, catching his breath a little bit. <sighs> so I'm going to say that they need to rest because they've been on the road all day. They've had a harrowing couple of days as well. They've survived a flash flood and they're here now alone in front of the temple but they're too exhausted to go in. And I think that Simon says, we cannot go in in this condition. I think we should set a camp here and rest and uh, try in the morning until this damnable rain passes at least. So they set camp outside the temple. Does anything happen in the night to interrupt their rest? <laughs> outside this temple, it's possible. I have no idea what. I'm just gonna go back to the old fate chart. I mean, there's a number of ways I could do this. I could look at random encounter tables for various environments from various supplements. I could do that, but I'm just gonna keep it simple right now and just use the fate chart. Are they interrupted with an encounter in the night? I'm gonna call it 50-50 in this case. Actually, you know what? This is an undead temple. We know nothing's coming out of the temple because they, the, the thing, the powers inside have sealed it. So I don't think that there's gonna be any danger of like wandering monsters from the temple coming out to, you know, butcher them in their sleep. But it's possible that there is something from the outside that comes in, like some kind of creature or baddie kind of blunders along. But again, I think any animals would be staying away from this place. They'd be too spooked by this thing. I think anything with intelligence would be staying away from this place, unless of course it's the Order of the Purifying Flame. Uh, I'm gonna call it, um, 
I'm gonna call it very unlikely that something uh, disturbs them in the rest. This is a 45% chance, and of course it does. So something does, in fact, it's not an extreme yes, but it is a yes. Something disturbs them in their rest. Is it in a combat encounter? I'm not necessarily sure. I'm just gonna roll the event meaning uh, what disturbs them. What is it that disturbs them in, in the night? 64, spy. Ooh, I like this already, don't I? Zero, one, spy of goals. Oh my God. This is great. So something is spying on them in the night and whoever's on watch has a chance to, to catch them. Something spy of goals, spy goals. Yeah, uh, you know what? I think I'm wrong. I think some power in the temple is aware of their presence and I think that it's sent out some kind of spy. That might not necessarily be a physical being like they send out a skeleton to look at them or something, but it could be some sort of like magic wizard eye or something that's being cast and who knows. But the point is something ha is spying on them before they can get inside this temple. Who notices it? Who is on watch when this happens? I'm just gonna call it equal. On a D6, one to two, it's gonna be Arn. Three to four is gonna be Simon, and five to six is gonna be Edbert. In fact, it is Edbert who is on watch at this time, at their camp outside the temple doors. Does Edbert notice it, whatever it is? Well, Edbert has a funny little skill called notice. It's not great. Does he notice the spy from the temple? Ho, 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 ho. Let's find out. Ooh explodes with an 11. That is a success with a raise, my friends. He definitely notices the spy from the temple. Well, here's a question. Is it a corporeal being? I really don't think so. I don't think that they're gonna send an actual member of their undead beings, of their little undead army. Undead army! I don't think they're gonna send us a, a, a being, a, a person, so to speak, out there. So, I think there's no way. There's no way they send an actual being. And 41 is an answer, is a no. So, it is not, which means it is, in fact, some sort of magical scrying ability. So the power that is in control of the temple has cast some sort of, like, wizard eye kind of spell or something. Some sort of power that allows them to see some sort of oracular device. That's the second time this concept of oracular device has come up with relation to the temple. I think there might be something there. I'm just gonna make a little note of that. Actually, what the hell, let's just, let's just call it that. An oracular device inside the temple is being used by the temple's leader, we'll just call it. What form does this scrying device take? Is it some sort of like withered, undead, magical floating eye? That's pretty cool. Let's call it um, somewhat like it. Zero, zero, extreme no, it is. <laughs> okay, I roll a lot of, I roll a lot of, I roll a lot of 100s in, uh, in, this, in this show. It's, it's bizarre, my dice are never that punishing in real life. It is definitely not an eye. So it's, it, that tells me that it, it's the oracular device that this, this, this intelligence is using is not sight-based. Oh, it's soul-based. It's basically searching for living souls. That's cool. What would that look like? I think it's gonna take the form of like a, a shimmering, like a, a darkly shimmering humanoid, almost like a ghost, right? So because this is Edbert's watch, Sherilyn is up. <laughs> she doesn't sleep, she's a ghost. But she is gonna notice as well, because so did Edbert, this sort of shimmer. Oh, actually, you know what? Because it's not an eye and because it's not visible, I'm also gonna interpret that 100, that extreme note to mean that it is totally invisible. So Edbert is aware of something, but he just sort of gets this shivering in his soul kind of thing. 
But he can't see anything because there's nothing to say. There's nothing to see. It's totally invisible. But I think that as Edward gets this kind of shivering, he sort of assumes it's Sherilyn because this is the same kind of thing that happens to him all the time with Sherilyn. And he kind of, uh, he kind of looks around and he says, Ah, curse you, ghost. Would you please just leave me in peace for once? I really, really could use some sleep before we go into that temple. And Sherilyn, the ghost sort of appears before him. I think Edward is always aware of the ghost. He, he doesn't necessarily always see her perhaps, but he is always aware of her presence, but she does sort of appear to him and she sort of looks and she shakes her head and she points at the forest, the blackness of the forest beyond, uh, illuminated only by the dim flicker of campfire that he's been tending uh, on his watch. And he looks and he sees and he says, she says, what, what, what are you pointing at, ghost? I don't see a thing. And Sherilyn is seeing, she can see this spec, she can sense this spectral force, which is tracking their souls, basically. What's interesting now, Sherilyn is a ghost. She is like a pure soul. She's an, she's an uprooted soul. She's a, an unanchored soul, if you will. So this power is very much aware of her as well as the rest of the three living men around the campfire. But this force is just spying, remember. It's not here to attack, it's just spying. But it sees, it sees the sleeping Simon. It, it senses, I should say, it doesn't see. It senses the sleeping Simon, it senses the sleeping Arn, and it also senses the awake uh, Edbert, who is now sort of looking around frantically in its general direction. And it definitely senses Sherilyn as well. Now here's a question. Sherilyn was responsible for putting down the mummy, which was of course Simon's mummy, his mother. This intelligence, does it recognize Sherilyn for what she is? Not only the being that ended the mummy, which was a very powerful creature in that temple. But does it recognize Sherilyn as the ex-leader of the Order of the Purifying Flame? I'm gonna say 50-50. Okay, that's factor six. On the 39, it does recognize. And at that moment, I think the leader of the temple knows that it's in trouble because remember, it put up that barrier to protect itself from the oncoming Order of the Purifying Flame. Sherilyn, her soul, her whole purpose was to lead that order. And this is a soul scrying device. So it sees exactly what is in your soul and her soul is pure. Her soul is purely about ending this undead scourge. So I think that this thing is now on high alert because it sees that that Sherilyn is there and that she is the greatest threat to this thing. Does it sense the scroll in Arn's possession? Hmm. I think it's a little off put by Sherilyn's presence. I don't think it's necessarily going to be able to detect that scroll, but it's possible. I'm gonna call it uh, unlikely. It's possible. Does it recognize? It does not. So it is unaware of the scroll, but it is still, it is still very, very uh, focused on Sherilyn. Does it launch any kind of attack on her? Now, I know it was here to spy, but now it's seen Sherilyn and recognized her for what she is and the threat that she represents. Does it launch some sort of spectral attack on Sherilyn to try and get rid of her somehow? I think that's likely. I think it absolutely does. 58 is a yes. It launches a spectral attack on Sherilyn. I don't know what this looks like. In fact, it doesn't look like anything because the only one that can see anything at all is Edbert. And he's sort of like looking at the woods. To him, there's nothing going on. He sees his ghost sort of like pointing and he's looking. He draws his weapons and I think maybe he moves carefully over to the to the edge of the of the woods to, you know, uh, see if there's anything there. Here's a question. Does does Edbert, is he even aware of this sort of supernatural uh, attack on, on Sherilyn? Uh, I think it's probably very unlikely. 
Um, 67, no. So he, so basically Sherilyn vanishes from view and he's like, well, where'd you go? Where'd you go? What's going on? But she's still there as she gets assaulted by this spectral attack. What form does that take? Well, the undead leader in the temple obviously has the ability to control undead. So here's what we're gonna do. I think that basically the attack is going to be the same kind of possession that Sherilyn has now uh, got by by leveling up, so to speak. So this is going to be a possess. This is going to be a puppet spell. Puppet, 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 a puppet spell. Opposed roll of the character's arcane skill versus the target's spirit must uh, score success and beat the target's roll to gain complete control. Her spirit is oh, it's a, it's a ten. It's a d ten. So here's what we're gonna do. We're going to determine the uh, overall power level of the leader of the temple as opposed to Sherilyn, okay? So we're going to go to Une. So here we go. The, what is the 87, which means slightly stronger? Okay, so that means that the overall power level of the leader of the temple is gonna be D12, okay? Versus her spirit of D10. So this spectral attack comes in, this attempt to possess Sherilyn herself and to take control of her. The attack comes in with a d12, seven. She must resist using her spirit of a d10. Now remember, this seven is a success, so it's definitely gonna, it's gonna succeed. The spell is going to succeed, but it has to beat her roll in order to possess her. She rolls a six, which means that the leader of the temple takes control of Sherilyn. The victim will attack friends and even commit suicide, though such acts uh, allow the victim another opposed spirit role to break the spell. Sherilyn has been possessed by the undead intelligence that is leading the temple. She is utterly in its control for a few rounds. What is she going to do? Is the intelligence, is the leader of the temple going to use her to attack her living friends? I think that's probably a yes. But you know what? Let's save that till next time and leave it on a good old fashioned cliffhanger. If you like the show, don't forget to please subscribe and share and talk about the show. There's lots of changes coming to YouTube in the next few weeks, actually. And it really, really, really is crucial that we get the word out about the show to get as many subscribers and likes and shares and views as possible to let YouTube know that this is actually a viable concern and it's a going concern and it's a show that you guys want to keep watching because they could theoretically decide, oh, you know what, it's no longer financially viable, whatever that means, and that'd be the end of the show. So let's make sure that doesn't happen. Hit like and subscribe and share and, and leave a comment if you like the show. And thanks so much for watching. And we will see you again next time on the next episode of Me, Myself, and Die. <laughs>